Good morning. Good morning. See, I got to get all the paraphernalia going up here to make sure everything works. Hi, it's so good to be here. We have not seen you for a while, and we are so excited to be back. And for those of you who we haven't seen for a while, we're good. We have been planning on coming back every summer, and every summer we've been COVIDed. So, you know, finally things have worked, and here we are. And so for those of you who we don't know, our new friends, I am Roger, and Sarah, stand up there. There's Sarah, my wife. And... We are with, and we have to correct Dennis on this one now, Across Nations. Western Indian Ministries has changed their name to Across Nations. And Across Nations is an organization, a ministry designed to work with the Navajo people. And our goal as a mission is to get the Navajo church strong enough to be able to go out and minister itself. The Navajo people have been taken care of for a long time. They have been given all kinds of things, and they have a tendency to be dependent on that. And um, as a mission, we want to change that, and we want to see the Navajo church be such a strong church that it is going to be reaching out across nations. We reach out across a nation to them, and they in turn reach out across a nation to other people. And so that is our goal, and as Dennis mentioned, yes, we um, teach at Hilltop Christian School. We have about 60 to 70 kids in our school in preschool through sixth grade, and um, we are getting geared up for a new school year. We have um, two new teachers. The Lord has brought us new teachers, always waiting till the end. You know, God, we trust you. We believe you. We know that you can send new teachers to us, so do that in March. You know, don't wait till the end of July to do that. But he, he doesn't hear that prayer seemingly, or the answer is always no. But we are excited that God has brought us two new teachers, and we are excited for the start of the school year and another opportunity to minister on the reservation. The people, the Navajo people are very, very afraid of the COVID. People ask us about that. And, and that's because they have been hit really hard. And because they have been hit really hard, they are far more afraid of it than uh, some other people. They have the kids in our school, almost all of them have had at least one family member who has died. I mean, that's how serious it is there. And so we have been teaching in mass the whole time. Um, and I'm not sure what we're going to do this year. We have decisions to make in that area. But um, so we've been doing the mask and the social distancing and all of that stuff. And um, at the same time, though, we're plowing ahead because we want to teach our kids. And the goal of Hilltop Christian School is two things we want to do. One, we want them to experience God's love. We want them to know that they are loved and they are cared for. And, and we do that through loving on them. And the second thing is we want them to know God's word. We want them to know what God's word says so that as they get older and more mature and start making grown-up decisions, they will have God's word in their heart and they will know what God wants them to do and to be. And so we are looking forward to hopefully taking a generation of Navajo kids and turning them into Christian leaders for the church in the future. 
And so we hope that you will pray with us and pray for us as you think about us. Um, after the service today, we have our table set out there. We have a little slideshow with the kids in it. So come back there and at least spend three minutes, that's all the longer it lasts, to look at that and see a picture of our kids. They are really cute. And so you will enjoy that. And also, if you'd like to visit with us, we would love to visit with you some. And we do have time. We'll be around till Wednesday morning. And so Monday and Tuesday and today, we have some time available. And um, if you would like to get together with us, we would be delighted to get together with you and visit with you a little bit and share more of the ministry and what we do. So after the service, if you want to come and meet us, you may do that. Um, okay, let us go ahead and get started on what God has to say for us this morning. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day, and I thank you so much for this church, for the worship, for the great things that you are doing here. And um, we pray this morning now, as we look at your word, that you would teach us, speak to each of us where we are in our hearts, so that we can know what it is that you would have us to do. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's start. I teach Bible class. I teach third graders. The third graders don't always know the answers to everything in Bible class. And so, being Bible class, they are well conditioned to know that Jesus is the answer. And you know what? Often they're right. But not always. You know, who led the children of Israel out of Egypt? Jesus. No. You know, who was it that was in the lion's den? Jesus. You know, who rebuilt the wall of Jerusalem? Jesus. And so it's not always correct, but often it is. And this morning, we're going to talk about Jesus and how he really is the answer as we think about church and we think about God, what God wants us to do. Um, and I think the, the best passage on that is in Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. If you have your Bible, you can certainly open to that. And we will look, that's where we will be this morning. And, um, and here I need to get my Bible up. What happened to that? It totally disappeared. <laughs> I, I love pads. Um, okay, and so Colossians chapter 1. And in Colossians chapter 1, there we go. I can see it now. Um, in Colossians chapter 1, we learn about God and the supremacy of Jesus. And you may say to yourself, why is Colossians chapter 1 the best chapter to learn about Jesus? And the answer is, John Piper said so. And so, you know, if, if John Piper says it's so, it must be so. Um, so let's start with verse, verse 9, okay? Colossians 1, 9. And um, Colossians, before we begin, let's, let's just quick get it. Colossians, what is it? It's a prison epistle. Okay, Paul is writing to the church at Colossae. Okay, Epaphras, who was a member of the church of Colossae, had come to Rome. And he was helping Paul in Rome while Paul was in jail. And so Epaphras, while he's there, shares about the church of Colossae. And Paul hears about this church and then says, you know what, I need to write a letter to these guys. The church at Colossae is a young church. 
And the church at Colossae is in a difficult location. Colossae had all kinds of gods. They had all of these local gods. And so to be a Christian in Colossae meant that you were turning your back on the culture that you had lived in to follow Jesus. And that could be dangerous in that society. And so Paul writes to them, and as we think about the Navajo Nation where we are, it's not dangerous to be a Christian, but the, the Navajos have that same issue of turning their back on their culture. If they want to become a Christian, they have to leave behind their traditional culture with their traditional gods and turn and follow Jesus, which is a difficult situation. So Paul is writing to these Christians, and the church at Colossae was having some problems. They were having problems with false teaching coming into the church. There was, within the church, people that were talking about a mystical element, that Jesus was really good, but you need to go further. You need to know deeper. There's this deeper knowledge that you need. And so you've got to learn more and move beyond Jesus. Jesus plus something else. And, of course, you had the Judaizers who were doing the same thing. They were saying, if you're a Christian, you follow Jesus, but you go on and follow all these rules. And so they were talking about Jesus plus something else. And there was a lot of syncretism in the church where the people were taking these things and were saying, yeah, Jesus, but we're going to put in this and we're going to put in that and we're going to put in the other thing. And that was distorting the gospel Christ was being diminished, and Christ was being distorted. And so Paul writes to say, hey, guys, I want you to know that Jesus is supreme. He is above everything else. He is beyond everything else, and that's all you need. So let's look at Colossians 1. Let's start with verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Paul's writing and he says, I want you to walk worthy. You are a Christian and your life needs to be changed. Your life needs to be different. And so how do we do that? How is it that we are able to walk differently, walk worthy of Jesus? Paul goes on to lay out the things that Jesus has done for us. It's on the basis of what Jesus has done that we can do this. And let's skip down to verse 13. What is it that he has done for us? Okay. Um, first of all, he has delivered us from darkness to light. Verse 13, he has... Oh, let me get caught up here. Oh, yeah, over that corner. They say, be sure to use that corner. Okay, number one, what Jesus has done for us. He's delivered us from darkness to light. Let's look at that verse there, verse 13 then. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So first of all, he has taken us out of darkness and he's moved us to light. And I don't know how you feel today, but do you feel the darkness do you feel the darkness around us in our society? Um, today, we are saying, our culture is saying, we want to do whatever we want to do. If I have, want to have an abortion, I can have an abortion. If I want to marry somebody different than is normal, I can do that because it's all about me. 
If I want to become a different gender, I could do that because it's all about me. And we look at what is happening around the world today and the current events. And I, I don't know about you, but I certainly feel the darkness. And Jesus says what? He says, I am here to take you out of darkness into light. The Navajo reservation, despite being in the modern world with internet, transportation, and the use of the English language, is a dark place spiritually. Medicine men have their own governing body called, or part medicine men have their own association, and they have a powerful lobby in the government called the council. Even though President Jonathan Nez is a Christian, he has to be careful to balance the medicine men, the traditionalists, and the non-religious Navajos and the Christians, of which there are very few. Our families from Hilltop Christian School participate in ceremonies with the medicine men for healing and protection. I had a particularly disobedient child in my class. One weekend, the child was taken to a ceremony to cure him of his bad behavior. And as you can imagine, it wasn't a lot of help, but they did that anyway. Medicine and healing are tied to religious and spiritual beliefs because health is related to supernatural forces being in balance and harmony. It is believed that a person might have gotten sick because of a taboo transgression, excessive behavior, or improper animal contact or contact with an evil spirit. One mom we know had twins, and the family wondered what she did wrong to bring this curse down upon herself. The res is rampant with hopelessness, economic depression, drugs, alcoholism, suicide, and out-of-wedlock pregnancy. When Sarah taught sixth grade, every single girl in the class did not believe that she would finish high school. They didn't know any girls who had. The good news is that she knows one of her girls now is taking college classes, and another one graduated from college. Spiritual warfare on the reservation is real. The spirits on the reservation are real. No different than they are here. We are involved in spiritual warfare too. We try to help our students have hope and see a way forward. Jesus can take us from this dark, hopeless place where we are in and give us hope and direction and light. And like I said, that's true of the Navajo and it's true of us in this building this morning that we need to see God's light and God's hope in our lives as well. So Jesus has done for us, one, he's given us, he's taken us from darkness to light. Next of all, redemption. Jesus died for us. Colossians 1.14 says, In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We walk, Jesus died for us, and we had the opportunity last month, we had the privilege of going to Israel for two weeks, and that was a really, really special thing. And I told Dennis that he should lead a tour to Israel, and he says, no, I'm not doing that. He's not into traveling so much, but um, it's wonderful, and if you guys ever get an opportunity, please do that. But we walked where Jesus walked who redeemed us. Jesus died for our sins. And so we were on the Mount of Olives and we saw what the Mount of Olives looked like. And we saw the Kidron Valley. 
And we were reminded of Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. And we walked, we went over to, on the other side of the Kidron Valley is Caiaphas's house, what they think is Caiaphas's house. If you go to Israel, they'll always talk about maybe, could be, you know, not for sure, because nobody knows what happened 2,000 years ago. But going down the Kidron Valley, and then there's a walk up to Caiaphas, what they think is Caiaphas's house. And there are the steps, which may actually have been where Jesus was. But we're reminded of that anyway, that he went down and he went to Caiaphas's house, and then we walked the Via Del Rosa. And we saw the places Jesus went. And it was very, very special, but it was a reminder about what God had done. We saw the tree that grows thorns that are this big. And it might have been that those are the thorns that they used to put on Jesus's head. And so you're reminded about what Jesus had done for us. We were reminded about how he gave himself so that we could be redeemed. And in the Navajo culture, blood sacrifice is not a Navajo tradition. So the sacrificial lamb concept makes no sense to them. They generally don't recognize evil, but call it an imbalance or disturbance in the spirit world. A couple of years ago, a man who had just murdered a girl that he had kidnapped was found in a sweat lodge. He wasn't hiding as much as he was involved in a cleansing ceremony. That's what they do when they go to the sweat lodge. They sit around and they smoke peyote. They try to cleanse themselves from the things around them. And so he had done this, participated in this cleansing ceremony to balance his life. Yes, he felt guilt over what he needed, and he needed a ceremony to restore peace in his life. Sometimes it is difficult to teach Navajo children about Christ's love and forgiveness because there is no word in the Navajo language for forgiveness. It is a culture of blame. It's a shame culture. There is widespread bitterness about the treatment Navajos received over 150 years ago. We have not treated the Navajo well over the last 150 years. There's no question about it. But 150 years ago, they were marched hundreds of miles to Bosque Redondo on the other side of New Mexico, an event called the Long Walk. Many died during the walk. Many more died at the fort where they were supposed to be learning how to farm and be assimilated. At the, after a couple years, they signed a treaty, and the treaty with the United States government allowed them to go back to their land. Many more died on the way back to the land. The Navajos returned to their homeland, but they still hold a great deal of bitterness in their hearts towards the American government. And the only people that are able to forgive are the Christians. All of the rest of them have not forgiven, and, and they are holding that bitterness in their heart. But the Christians have been able to forgive that because they have learned about Christ and his forgiveness. And we are forgiven as we sit here this morning. Our past, the pain, the confusion, the bad things that have happened to us, the struggles that we have had, the aches that we have had, that's all gone. Jesus has redeemed that. 
He has taken us and he has redeemed us and given us salvation. But not only has he given us salvation, he has redeemed the things in our life that had happened in the past. And so he can take those bad things that happen and make them good. And not only that, but you know, I was thinking God has redeemed not only the bad things in our life, but God has redeemed the good things as well. And he has made them the good, he's made them better. And he has made them so that we can enjoy and celebrate those wonderful things that he has done for us. So now, as Christians, we are free to celebrate, we are free to serve the God who made us, the creator God, the one who has designed us for special purposes. And so God, we are free to do what God made us to do. We are free to do what God made us to be. And it's not about human potential. No, we are not free to follow our human potential. We are free to follow the godly potential where the creator God has made each and every one of us to have a special calling, to have a special place in this world as we serve him and as we glorify his name. Okay, Jesus, he's brought us from darkness to light. He's given us redemption, and he has shown us God. How do we know who God is? We look at God. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Jesus is the one who shows us God. We talk about in our Christian school, in our classroom, about how do we know God? And we say, you know, we see God through his creation. We see God through his word. And finally, we see God through his son. Jesus is the image. You take a picture of me, you see my image. He is the image of God. Remember, Thomas said, how do we, see, how do we know the Father? And he says, look at me. I am God, you are looking at God. And so through Jesus, we see who he is. And we see that he is the, the God who is the one who has come to earth. You know, I often think about that. We talk about God incarnate at Christmas time. And, you know, I, the kids cannot fully get that. They cannot fully understand that. And it's okay. They're third graders. They're first graders. But how, about, how do we do you know, how do we do it at fully understanding what it means to be God incarnate? That is something that we can meditate on and think about and, and continue to learn more and more about what that is. But Jesus, I, we hold that in awe. I hold that in awe, knowing that Jesus, God, the creator of the universe who made everything, came to earth to live among us. And so he has shown us himself and he has shown us God. Navajo traditional religion is pantheistic. There are holy people who are various spirits and deities. And these deities were invented to explain various things that we explain with scientific knowledge. There is also Mother Earth and Father Sky. When the, when the Navajos dance, they will tell you the drum beat is the heartbeat of Mother Earth. When there is a solar eclipse, half of the students stayed home. Remember a few years ago we had a solar eclipse. And half of our kids stayed home that day because Navajo tradition is that the sun and the moon are deities and they were crossing together. And so out of respect of them, 
you don't go outside. You don't look at it, and you stay inside, and you even fast. You don't even eat food um, because of what is happening outside. And so half of our kids stayed home that day. We had the rest of the kids that came home. Many of them were not allowed to go outside. They had to stay in at recess because they weren't supposed to go out. But the rest of us got to go out and watch the eclipse. And we were in New Mexico. So it was pretty good. It was like 90% or something like that. And it was really cool to see what God had done. And so we got to go outside and say, look it. This is God. He's doing this wonderful, marvelous thing. And it was fun. And so we shared with them the truth that God is the one who is the supreme being. And so the Navajos need to see the true God. They don't need their deities. They need to see the true God. What has Jesus done for us? Darkness to light. Redemption. You guys will have these all memorized by the end. There will be a quiz when you go out the door, so pay attention here. Darkness to light. Redemption. Jesus has shown us God's love. And next of all, Jesus is God the creator. Okay? For by him... All things were created in heaven and on earth, invisible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. And all things were created through him and for him. And in the next verse, it says not only did he create them, but he holds all things together. So God, whoops, where were we? Oh, we didn't. I'm sorry. I'm amateur we're lost we'll get there back to where we want to be okay so for by him all things are created in heaven and earth um god is the creator he made all things and of course that's the argument for jesus being god right he's a creator creators are not something less than their creation creators are god and he holds all things together He's involved in creation, and I love this when you think about this. God is out there, and he's holding all things together. The chair that you're sitting in is not going to disappear. It's not going to fall apart. Your body is not going to disappear. It's not going to fall apart. This building is not going to disappear. It's not going to fall apart because God, Jesus, is holding everything together. And it's not taxing for him. It's not a problem. He's God and he can do all those things. I, I remember juggling plates. Old people, you know, they used to be on the Ed Sullivan show. You know, the young people are going, the what? And have you seen that? You know, where you, he, this guy takes this steel rod and he has all these steel rods. Are you guys with me or not? Okay, he takes all these steel rods and he puts plates on top of all of them and he's spinning all of these plates and then he starts spinning these plates on the table and he goes running from one to... He goes over here and runs and spins that one and goes over there and runs and spins that one. And if you haven't seen that, young people... Don't look it up now. Don't get on YouTube. I know. I have been to church. I know sometimes the pastor says something, and you immediately look it up. Don't look it up now, but go home and look it up. But the point is, he's running all over the place, keeping all these plates going up and down and spinning them around. But that's not what Jesus does. It's not a problem to him. Everything is under control all the time without any effort at all because he is God. He is the creator. 
And the um, and so he is keeping all things together. He keeps all of us, our lives together too. You know that? He's keeping us where we're going, what we're doing. He is in control of all of those things. He's keeping the school together. He's keeping the church together. And he's keeping you and me together. As we move through life, he provides what we need. One of the Navajo creation stories is about hero twins. They were equipped by their father, the son, to destroy monsters in the world. They didn't slay all of them. That is why there's still things like lice, old age, poverty, because they forgot to do that. They have their own creation stories, but the Bible... but. But the children are willing to listen to create to our creation story from the Bible. They will have a difficult time sorting through what is true. They go home and they hear their creation stories. They're in our classroom and they hear the Bible creation story. And that is a difficult thing for them because they are living in two worlds. The church at Colossae was known for its fusion of religious influences, that syncretism, which included during Paul's day, Jewish, Gnostic, and pagan influences, along with the angel cult. The Navajos are an accommodating people. They will graciously listen to you and even agree to belief in your Jesus. But they will add Jesus to the pantheon, not acknowledge that Christ is all you need. We know the salvation is through Jesus plus nothing. Abandoning the other beliefs and relying totally on Jesus can be, a very, can be very difficult for them. And it really, really is. Um, and so that is one of the things, if you think about it, that you can pray for us, that God will give us clarity as we share with our kids in our classrooms and help them understand that it's about Jesus and nothing else. And their culture has a lot of wonderful points, but the belief system they have is not a true belief system, and we want them to come and know that. The sixth grade children who have been at our school for their whole elementary school life still have trouble making the decision to follow only Jesus in the Bible. They feel insecure without their protection ceremonies and their good luck turquoise. This year, two sixth graders stated publicly that they wanted to follow Jesus. And that was really, really cool. All of the kids, the first graders, the second graders, the third graders, they'll all say they're Christians. They'll all say that they love Jesus. And they do all of those things, but they have yet come to a real decision to follow Jesus and follow Jesus only. And so when we have a couple of sixth grade kids come forward they have made a real decision. And so we are excited about that. One girl stated that she just wasn't ready. And so here's another sixth grader who says, no longer in the I love Jesus stage, but I'm not really to do serious business with Jesus. We had a teacher in our school a few years ago who came out from New York to the res to teach school. She married a Christian Navajo. And from then on, his side of the family, the husband's side of the family, didn't want to have anything to do with them. They basically, the family walked away because they said, you're going to be Christian, and, and we do not support that. It's been a lonely road to raise their children with no family support. Okay, now we're ready to go to the next one. Okay, Jesus is the creator, and Jesus is the head of the church. 
And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Jesus is the head. We hear a lot about the, the war between Russia and Ukraine. And they talk about command and control. How the Russians were struggling, at least at the beginning, with command and control. The leaders up here at the top, the generals and all that, had a hard time communicating to the soldiers on the ground, here's the plan, here's where you go, here's what you need to do. And so the soldiers on the ground were making their own decisions. We need to go here and we need to do that. And it wasn't working. And we want to make sure that doesn't happen in our church. Jesus is the head of the church. He is the one where command and control comes from. And so we need to continually <laughs> go back and see what God wants us to do and be willing to follow God, follow God and do what he wants to do. It's not a matter of what we decide to do. It's a matter of what Jesus, the head of the church, decides to do. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. <clears throat> okay. Darkness to light, redemption. Jesus has shown us God. Jesus is God the creator. He's the head of the church. He has defeated death. And this is another thing that we have to look forward to. He is the firstborn from the dead. He is the leader. The firstborn in Jewish society was the leader. He was the spiritual leader. He was the head. He was the one that was in charge. And Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. He is the first one. He is our leader in this battle against death and this victory over death. This is a hard one for the Navajos. Navajos are very uncomfortable talking about the dead. They don't make wills because if you start planning to die... You will. And so when a person dies, there's always a fight within the family over their property because there's no will. They don't know what they're supposed to do. They avoid mentioning a dead person's name. They will avoid going to the hospital or riding in an ambulance because a person might have died there and his ghost is still hanging around making mischief. In previous times when a person died... The Hogan, where they lived, their house was burned down. How would you like that if you died to have your family come and burn down your house? Um, but they did that. And death is a fearsome thing. Death is ugly. Death is something that we do not like. But Jesus has defeated death. He has put that behind so that now we can look forward to living with him forever. So when we freely talk about a savior who died, it makes no sense to them. We are quick to tell our students that Jesus arose from the dead. And when our students have, have problems with spirits that they know are around them, we tell them Jesus is stronger than all of that stuff. And so we have the wonderful opportunity to present the answer to them. And finally, that's how people always like to hear that one. Finally, Jesus is preeminent, and actually there's two more, but we're almost done here. Jesus is above all, okay? Jesus is preeminent. He is the creator, the redeemer, and he is the one that's above everything else. And I love the music this morning because we 
talked about that. We sang about that, how God is the preeminent one. Um, I went to Church of the Open Door in Los Angeles. J. Vernon McGee was the pastor. Again, I don't know if you are familiar with him or not. He's the one that does the Bible bus, if you listen to Christian radio. And he is a, is a famous Bible teacher. And Church of the Open Door was a wonderful place to, grad, to grow up because we had Bible, the, the great Bible teachers of the, of the 20th century would come through there and we would get to hear them all. And I loved... When you would go up on this, this, it was a big church. We had a 3,000-seat auditorium. There was a lower stage and an upper stage. And if you would go to the upper stage, it had a huge pulpit. The pulpit was like this big, you know. And, and so there was this huge pulpit, and there was all of those people out there. And on top of the pulpit, on the inside of the pulpit, for only the pastor, the speakers to see, it said, Sir, we would see Jesus. And, and that was a marvelous reminder of why we are here, okay? Jesus is preeminent. He is the one that we need to be thinking about and uplifting. Finally, whoops, what happened now? We went too far again. Okay, finally, the last one is um, reconciliation. Jesus has reconciled us, which is what he does. And um, Jesus has taken us, and we are now reconciled to him. The enemy that we used to be was no longer there. The en- because Jesus has taken that out of our hearts. Jesus is holy and blameless, and he has come along, and he has reconciled us to himself. The story of the Good Samaritan is not about the boy coming home and finally having food to eat. The story about the Good Samaritan is not about him coming home and finally having housing. The story about the Good Samaritan is not about him coming home and having a big party. The story of reconciliation is about being reconciled. The son and the father, and that is what we celebrate, that reconciliation. The Navajo Nation needs reconciliation as well. And and we talk as a society, we talk about reconciliation, how God wants us to be reconciled. Yesterday, we were down at the um, National Geographic Museum, and we saw the King Tut exhibit, which is fun, too. You could do that sometime if you have nothing else to do. But the thing the Pharaoh was supposed to do, the bottom line was he was supposed to create peace and harmony in Egypt. And that was very important to them. That was the main thing they were supposed to do. The Navajo. Talk about Hozho. Hozho is that same thing. It's the idea of peace and harmony. And we say we want to have peace and harmony. As cultures all over the world, we think that is very, very important. And the Navajo, with all of the baggage that they have, the Navajo needs to find reconciliation. They need to be reconciled person to person. They need to be reconciled family to family. And they need to be reconciled nation to nation. And you know what? America needs the exact same thing, don't we? We need to be recognized to reconcile person to person. We need to be reconciled family to family. We need to be reconciled nation to nation. 
And that is what God wants to do. And that is what God has given us. And so, Jesus is the answer. And, um, and we need to make sure that we are making him preeminent in everything we do. Thursday, Friday, one day, I had um, lunch with Dennis and Christelle. And Christelle and I are like BFFs now. Chris, Christelle grew up in basically the same area of Southern California that I grew up. So we're Southern California kids together. And she's a Dodger fan, a true blue Dodger fan. So we are like this now as we celebrate, you know, the Dodgers together. And the Dodgers are a very, very good team. They have had a lot of success over the years. Um, and if you're not a baseball fan, stick with me for a minute here. But they've had a lot of success over the years. In fact, the Dodgers are so good that at the beginning of the year, the Dodger manager said, we're going to win the World Series this year. And that's the goal. The Dodgers have been so successful over the last few years that coming in second place isn't good enough. Winning the division isn't good enough. Winning the National League championship isn't good enough. And Chriselle agrees with me on this, that the only success the Dodgers are going to have this year is winning the World Series. Nothing less than that will satisfy Dodger fans. And so the standard is set so high that they need to win. That is the ultimate goal. That is the preeminent goal of the Los Angeles Dodgers this year. And if I may shift to something spiritual, that is the preeminent goal of us in our church. The preeminent goal is that Jesus is above all. Jesus is the one that's honored. And Jesus is the reason that we are here. And so as we move ahead as a church and as we move ahead as a mission, we need to make sure that we are always keeping him preeminent. In this church here, you may have a wonderful, beautiful purpose statement, and that is a good thing, but that's not the preeminent thing. The preeminent thing is Jesus. And you may have great music. It may be traditional. It may be contemporary. But whether it is traditional or contemporary doesn't matter if it doesn't honor him and make him preeminent in the church. We may have great small groups, but if the small groups don't make Jesus preeminent, it doesn't matter. It's like the Dodgers. Every day they go to batting practice, and every day they practice, and every day they play games. But all of that is for the goal of winning the World Series. And as a church goes through all of these things in its regular life, all of that is great, but it's all for the purpose of Jesus being preeminent. And as you search for a new pastor and you begin to think, what is it that we're looking for? Remember, the goal of this church is Jesus. The goal of this church is making him preeminent. And so as you look for a pastor, you don't look for the best preacher. You don't look for the best anything. You look for the someone who will be the best at making Jesus preeminent in this body. And so I promise you, we will be praying for you guys as you do that. But we need to make sure in our church body here 
that Jesus is preeminent above all things because that's what he has done. You remember the list, right? You can recite the list. That it's darkness to light. It's redemption. It's he's shown himself to be God. He keeps all things together. He's the head of the church. He defeated death and he reconciled us to himself. And so this Jesus who has done so much of us can be preeminent in our church and is Jesus preeminent in your life. That's the bottom line on that is that as you go home this week, will you be keeping him, number one, because of what he's done for us, and we want him to be preeminent. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word, and Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he came and he died, and he's done all of these things for us. We thank you that we can practice and follow those in this church and we can practice and follow those in our lives and father we pray that the navajo nation would come to learn that as well we pray that the navajo people would see who jesus is and what he can do father we pray for revival among the christians there we pray for a outpouring of your spirit such that the navajo nation will become the christian nation that leads the United States of America back to you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.